Welcome to Floodlight Software's NDE 4.0 podcast, where we interview various experts in industry 4.0 concepts, issues, and technologies for non-destructive testing and inspections. This show is the place to go to learn about the biggest challenges and opportunities around NDE 4.0 from some of the smartest people in the industry. So sit back and be prepared for a really thought-provoking discussion. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Floodlight's NDE 4.0 podcast, where we pose five questions to NDE 4.0 experts in order to understand and advance the world of industrial infrastructure safety and inspections. Today, we are honored to be speaking with Sir Michael Pepper, who is probably the most accomplished individual we have ever interviewed for this podcast. He even has a hefty Wikipedia profile. Sir Michael has straddled both academia and industry for over 45 years with an astounding list of impressive achievements. As a physicist in the 1970s, he performed research on localization in semiconductor structures, then collaborated on the paper that eventually brought a Nobel Prize for the quantum Hall effect to Klaus von Kleitzing in 1980. Later in 1991, Sir Michael founded the first corporate research laboratory of Toshiba outside Japan, now known as the Cambridge Research Laboratory, and was appointed its managing director. His work at the Cambridge Research Laboratory included the development of quantum communications and the pioneering development of terahertz radiation emitted by excitation of semiconductors where it was shown that terahertz could distinguish between cancerous and healthy tissue for medical applications. In order to rapidly develop this technology, it was spun into a corporation called TerraView, where Pepper is currently the scientific director. He has been closely involved with the development of new applications of terahertz in industrial process control, security, and medicine. He became an honorary professor of pharmaceutical science in the University of Otago, New Zealand in 2003, and left his Cambridge chair position to take up the Pender Chair of Nanoelectronics at University College London in 2009. He has been associated with many develop, developments in semiconductor physics and applications of terahertz radiation and sits on the Scientific Advisory Committee of Australia's ARC Center of Excellence in Future Low Energy Electronics Technologies. In terms of honors and awards, Sir Michael was elected a Fellow of Trinity College, Cambridge in 1982, and a Fellow of the Royal Society in 1983. He received the Europhysics Prize of the European Physical Society and the Guthrie Prize of the Institute of Physics in 1985, and then received the Hughes Medal in 1987. In 2000, Pepper was awarded the first Mott Prize by the Institute of Physics and was awarded the Royal Medal in 2005 for his work which has had the highest level of influence in condensed, condensed matter physics and has resulted in the creation of modern field of semiconductor nanostructures. He gave the Royal Society's Bakerian Prize Lecture in 2004 and received a knighthood in the 2006 New Year's Honors List of Services to Physics. He was appointed a fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and in 2010, he won the Swan Medal and Prize. He also has been awarded the 2013 Faraday Medal of the IET, the Institution of Elect Engineering and Technology. And in 2019, he was awarded the Institute of Physics Isaac Newton Medal. That's, that's a huge list of accomplishments, Michael. It's a great honor and privilege to welcome you to our, pod, to our show today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Tracy. It's a great pleasure to be here. 
uh, to discuss some of the recent work that my colleagues and I have been performing on telehealth technology and its application to NDE. Fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation today because I know I'm going to learn a lot. Although your research and experience is very widespread, today we're going to focus on the, the work you mentioned that's being done at TerraView, particularly related to non-destructive testing for industrial manufacturing and infrastructure. So let's get started with a basic question to help set the stage for our audience. Can you describe what terahertz technology is, how it started, and or how it was discovered, and how it promotes NDE 4.0? Yeah, it's a pleasure to do so, actually. Uh, the terahertz radiation, actually, in terms of its frequency, it sits between the microwave and the infrared. And um, so that's basically, you know, if you go down the periodic table for spectrum analysis for light, uh, then you will see obviously we have visible light, which is very short wavelengths. Uh, even shorter would be x-rays. And then as you increase the wavelength, uh, it's, you will actually come to infrared. And then there's a terahertz. And even longer than the terahertz is the microwave. Now, terahertz radiation, of course, has always been around. No problem about that. You get a lot of terahertz from a, a traditional light bulb. Uh, basically because that emits the entire spectrum of electromagnetic radiation, of which light is part, of course. Uh, but it was only in the 1980s and 90s that, in fact, coherent sources of terahertz were developed. Uh, and that means that essentially the wavelength is more or less uninterrupted. It's not, it doesn't randomly change. And because it's continuous, that means we can investigate phenomena such as interference and diffraction and, and essentially coherent reflections. And that's given rise to the power which terahertz now has and why it's been exploited in NDE and other applications. And it's possible to generate it because the thing is that the terahertz radiation has energy which is rather low, much, much less than the energy of room temperature radiation. And that means, for example, that we can't have something like a television remote control where you use um, light to actually control the television or produce laser light uh, because it's not possible to have the energy less than that of um, room temperature. So we have to basically develop it by exciting currents in semiconductors, uh, which only persist for a very short period of time. And because they are rapidly um, terminated by the lattice, we get a, a current spike, which is extremely short, and then generates the radiation. Interesting. Um, so in terms of, of the industrial world and industrial settings, how is terahertz used today by industrial settings, by which sectors? And what do you see as its greatest future potential in NDE? Well, the beauty of terahertz for NDE is that a lot of materials, in fact most, are transparent to it. Uh, so unlike visible light, which will obviously be reflected and can't penetrate, the terahertz can. Now, infrared, of course, can penetrate, uh, but it's very heavily scattered. You know, the classic case would be why, why essentially is the sky blue and the sun red? And the reason for that essentially is that the 
infrared is really just scattered all over the place by particles in the atmosphere. And so you know, we, we get that term, the, the visible light will come through, and so we see a red sun. Uh, now, the microwave is barely absorbed. It tends to be absorbed by water. Of course, 10 Hertz is also absorbed by water. But the beauty of it is that the radiation goes in, and every time there's a change in the optical medium, that is a change in the material, it's reflected. It goes straight in and straight back. And then we can analyze the reflections because they come at different times. And so we can build up a three-dimensional image, and um, which is very important because then we can reconstruct the object. We can see if there are any deficiencies, any, for example, cracks, if you're looking at something below a coating, and a general analysis, which is very important in many industrial sectors. So do you, what kinds of um, applications are being used today uh, through TerraView um, in, in the industrial sectors? Well, perhaps I can give a couple of examples. Yeah. One of the first um, applications that we looked at when we founded TerraView was actually the pharmaceutical sector. Mm -hmm. uh, you've seen adverts uh, which are all over the place, really, for 12-hour relief for this or 24-hour relief for that, mainly colds, flu, but also for, for much more serious ailments. You want uh, controlled release over a long period of time. Whereas some uh, problems are best solved by an instantaneous uh, release of the active ingredient, such. so it's dissolved immediately in the stomach. If you want to get rid of a headache, for example, take something for that, and then that's released. But other uh, illnesses, you want a more gradual release, and that's achieved within a tablet by having a large number of internal coatings. And every time a coating dissolves, so an active ingredient comes out uh, which helps uh, remove the, the ailment or illness. But you want to do that over a period of time. So the internal coating takes a bit of time to dissolve. And that's very well controlled. And we can actually analyze the internal coatings within the tablet. Uh, the terahertz will go straight through. It, it can be absorbed uh, after about a centimeter or so, but certainly tablets are much less thick than that. So we can analyze the internal coating. And that's a very similar application to the automotive sector where we are developing equipment which is being installed by car companies to control paints. So a typical volume car will have four layers of paint, uh, essentially to prepare the two of them on to prepare the, the final the, the color coating, which is called the base coating. And then on top of that is a clear coat which protects it. But they want to control that, and they want to be able to see if there's any problem in the adherence of the paint to a curved surface, for example, where the windscreen is, or if there might be any corrosion underneath it. Now, we can actually analyze that. We can analyze the coating thicknesses, which are typically of the order of 15 to 25 microns in thickness, where a micron is one ten thousandth of a centimeter, so very thick. But we can analyze that. And so we can see if there are any problems involved, actually. And they can control the thickness and also monitor, essentially, the, the quality of the paint layer on the car. Because one thing they would like to avoid is having any recalls. So if, for example, paint goes down over a corroded region, or if, or if in fact, one particular layer of paint is particularly thin, then obviously it could be that after a month or so, 
the car is recalled uh, because the owner is not satisfied with it and it's under warranty. So obviously they want to avoid that. So the terahertz is excellent for that. Now, the traditional technology which has been used is a form of ultrasound, rather like we have a medical examination of ultrasound. And there, the, the, you might call the head, the sensor head, is actually placed in intimate contact with the object. So you don't want to do that. You've got a nice shiny car coming out of the paint shop. You don't want to put oil or water on the surface and then clamp a head to it. It's the last thing you want. So the terahertz is beautiful in that regard because it can actually just sit. It's moved in a robot and it goes up and down the car investigating particular uh, points on the car. That, of course, determined in advance. And, and, and actually, it will then produce uh, a map of the paint layers. So you can see if anything's going wrong. So you can see that essentially those two applications that I mentioned are not entirely dissimilar. And that they're based on the reflection of terahertz from a change in the medium. And, mm -hmm. and it will apply to any form of coating. For right. example, helicopter blades are laminated, different layers. You can investigate those and indeed have done so. And uh, catalysis, where you put a layer on for protection. Mm -hmm. It's exceptionally good for investigating surfaces and interfaces because really of the sharpness of the reflection. And X-ray itself, although of course has much greater penetrating power, is not sensitive to these small changes, for example, in the, the different colors on a car. The X-ray will just go straight through it. It won't actually see the changes. Yeah. So it seems so, like, like maybe detection of corrosion underneath a, a, a painted or a covered surface would be a very common or a very good application of this technology? Absolutely, definitely. And a lot of companies are interested in it for that purpose. It, it's, it's interesting to note, actually, the very first uh, application we did, for, when we first developed uh, terahertz technology a long time ago, uh, was actually teeth. We got some old teeth from the dentist, uh, and we were able to see the surface layer of the enamel where it actually had disappeared and allowed corrosion to enter into the tooth. So it's another example of actually being able to look at base in layers. Mm -hmm. uh, and as any dentist will tell you, the x-ray will not pick that up, actually. The x-ray will pick up decay in the tooth, but won't actually give you the region where the bacteria penetrated because the enamel had disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> so our other applications are essentially based around that. For example, in the semiconductor industry, um, we can send in a terahertz pulse and we can see how it's reflected and where it's reflected in an integrated circuit. So these days, as we know, the emphasis is on miniaturization. Mm -hmm. You're getting as much uh, computing power or capacity into a mobile phone, for example, numerous applications. And to do that, you have a system which is known as essentially you know, a system in a package where you put multiple chips in a package, they're very thin, and essentially, you connect them one to the other. Now, problems can arise in the, in the connection. It can be rather weak or non-existent. So that's an open circuit. We can send in the terahertz pulse, and we can analyze the reflection, and we can tell you whether or not you've got good contacts, whether they are weak and may give problems in the future, or possibly non-existent. Uh, so it's, it's, it's essentially a platform technology with multiple applications. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's fan that's that's fantastic. It's really interesting. Um, is there a relationship between terahertz technology and AI? Um, yes, um, there will be actually. At the moment, I mean, essentially, it's not so much AI as more really massive, fairly simple, basically applications in which the which the robot arm, for example, going back to cars, the robot arm can be moved to analyze different regions. But AI will come in, uh, particularly in where you want to actually follow up uh, some area of weakness that the terahertz has, has actually identified. And then it will actually analyze that and say what it should do next. So it will replace the operator. Mm-hmm. So the operator at the moment might notice some problem uh, either in um, different applications, in semiconductors or in paints or or actually even in in medicine, because um, the terahertz was the first non-ionizing radiation to be able to detect the difference between cancerous tissue and healthy tissue. We did that well. It's one of our first applications as well. But medicine, you know, it basically, one has to have 100% certainty. And at the moment, a large number of groups are working on that. So, however, the point is, what I'm saying really, is that the, the terahertz equipment will notify something or measure some anomaly and from then on one might have essentially a program which then takes it over and looks for something else mm-hmm. so it will then be able on its own to present a complete description of a particular problem with an object or how the object is faring mm-hmm. so from that point of view yeah it has a great future in terahertz technology sure so so it's almost like a progression of analysis you're not analyze one component, um, notice an anomaly of some sort, and then choose a path based on some um, uh, smart algorithm that that might want to look at a a further on um, area. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. We go beyond algorithmic detection. Well, it seems like AI has applications to just about everything. Everything, <laughs> um, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it sure does. So, and how about one of the, a couple of other topics I know we wanted to talk about are how terahertz technology is related to 3D imaging. I can kind of picture that, but I'd love to hear your description of that. Um, digital twins and counterfeiting. Well, it's actually tailor-made for, for three-dimensional imaging because yeah. that's what we do. Going back to the pharmaceutical tablet, we produce a digital image of the tablet and it's stored. And so it can be reconstructed uh, from different angles. You can rotate it, the image around uh, because everything is there. The, mm-hmm. Basically, the terrorist technology has dug everything out of it. And so digital twinning is essentially what we've been doing, except it hasn't been called digital twinning. Uh, so, small objects, for example, in the nano region, will be tailor made for uh, 3D printing, for example. They're, mm-hmm. they're in, con- in conjunction with terahertz, is tailor made again for the digital printing. And indeed, if you were to uh, monitor some particular piece of equipment in uh, industrial process control, as it develops, uh, as time goes on, then essentially that's a digital threat. So uh, both digital threading and digital twinning are essential part of NDE4, and so the terahertz will be at the heart of it. That's essentially the position that we're hoping to move towards, and I think there's, there's a great realization that this is occurring. 
Yeah. Um, I haven't mentioned, I just mentioned the medicine. Again, you know, surfaces and interfaces are very susceptible to investigation by terahertz. Uh, there's also terahertz spectroscopy, which actually is only being used by research institutions at the moment. It hasn't okay. really percolated into the industrial arena, but what it does, it helps you to identify particular compounds. You look at the different frequencies and how they're absorbed. And from the frequency dependence of the absorption, uh, you can tell what you've got. And so uh, we've used that to look at the difference between uh, counterfeit tablets and real tablets, because you can analyze the, the internal structure. And so, uh, you know, the counterfeit tablets, ones which are not so good, uh, but are sold under the incorrect label, uh, they look the same from the outside, but the inside is completely different, and we can detect that. Okay. So counterfeiting, digital twinning are all wrapped up in the three-dimensionality of the terrorist investigation. And I imagine that the technology is pretty um, fast, meaning that you could essentially test every single tablet if you wanted to, to ensure sort of 100% safety versus um, just sort of batch checking a few, right? Yeah, you could do that. Absolutely. Now when, I, yeah. when I first saw that word, I was thinking about money, counterfeiting of money, not tablets, but it makes a lot of sense the way you've described it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, banknotes, for example, have been suggested. We haven't really done much work on banknotes. But, uh, but I mean, one, 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 we've investigated so many different topics, one always forgets them. But, for example, one of them was crisps. Uh, um, or potato chips, as they're known in the in North America, that you, you, you can buy uh, salt and vinegar or plain or barbecue or whatever, whatever. And what happens there is that the, the chips are made uh, and then they're dipped into vats uh, containing something which gives you a surface layer with the different tastes. And so we can tell the difference between plain crisps and salt and vinegar from terahertz spectroscopy. Without tasting, <laughs> without actually tasting them. <laughs> yeah, we did actually. We did actually investigate. Again, I mean, we have actually sold equipment which is used uh, for looking at foreign objects in rice. Oh, wow. See, I mean, you know, rice comes along and sometimes you get bits of other things, hardly stone or something like that. Right. And we can tell that, yeah. So it has actually been used uh, for that purpose. Again, okay. and... We've investigated Stonehenge at the request of a research institution uh, because the stone can be investigated under the layer of moss. And of course, you can't touch anything at Stonehenge or anything right. like that. You know, absolutely not. So, but the terahertz can, can, the, the head can sit a centimeter or a bit more away from the stone, and it will go, the radiation will go through the moss and you can analyze what's underneath it. Yeah. Or wow. paintings, for that matter. Yeah. You, know, you, you read somewhere someone's got an old family painting in, in their attic and turns out underneath, if they're lucky, they might have a Rembrandt. But right. we can see what's underneath it without having to touch it. Such a wide range of different um, applications of the technology. How fun it must be to work in this world. Yeah, the, the I mean, difficulty, of course, for a small company is uh, what do you concentrate on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you haven't got the resources <laughs> to do everything. So, right. yeah, so that's, that's why, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah we uh, As you say, uh, 
it's there are so many applications and they're opening up all the time yeah. right oh fantastic so let's let's finish up with the final question today which is what are the limitations of the technology and how might folks overcome those limitations well um, we uh, are working very hard on actually increasing uh, the throughput that is decreasing the time in which it takes uh, takes to do a measurement because obviously, again, referring to, to cars or large objects, you want to measure so many different points. You want to do this very quickly. Um, and uh, so we have to sort of speed the process up. It's a continuous improvement, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't a particular point. There are always suggestions coming up that we can actually increase the speed in which the measurements are taken. And you want the flexibility of the uh, measurements and also, of course, the software. So we've been talking about AI. So from that point of view, it's also extending it to the range of frequencies uh, and combining it in some applications with other modalities. Um, and uh, in order to actually just really enhance the power of the technology in, in completely characterizing by an object. So you've got an object there. I mean, you've got the, the digital twinning, of course, but other aspects of it you want to actually incorporate in. So you a complete picture. It's rather like what's happening in, say, the investigation of people uh, by modern molecular biology, you know, the, the basic essentially investigations of your molecular structure enable a complete picture to be developed. Well, we want to do that with basic inanimate objects mm-hmm. uh, and to do that. And that's what is, is happening. Uh, and um, it's going very well, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the the cost of a system? Like if, if somebody is interested in using the technology for, you know, maybe testing their products prior to release, for example, what it, would it cost? Would it, is the cost pretty comparable to other similar types of solutions? Or how does that play into the sort of productization of the technology? Well, at the moment, the, the principal driver of cost at the moment is the fact that in order to generate the terahertz, we have to use a laser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lasers uh, are not cheap. It's not so much a laser diode, but slightly larger laser, and they're not cheap. So the, the cost of the equipment um, to a purchaser would be in the thousands, a few thousand US dollars rather than hundreds. And uh, we are also, of course, attempting to reduce that cost considerably. Uh, I think one can say the problem is uh, in reducing cost is that we need a pulse of terahertz to come out. So you inject a pulse in and you analyze the reflection. Whereas if one uses a continuous distribution of radiation, then it's much, much cheaper, actually. There are ways of doing that. But the analysis of it is not so powerful as if you were to use the pulses. So what we're attempting to develop mathematical theorems, which actually, in conjunction with hardware, enable us to use the continuous wave more than is the case at the moment. And that will actually make a lot of the equipment much cheaper. But in general, it's actually, it's, it's getting much cheaper all the time. And of course, the thing is that once one starts selling in large numbers, very large numbers, then of course, there will be economies of scale and the price will come down and down. Yeah. But it has a... actually decreased considerably over the last few years. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm sure we could go on and continue talking about other 
other interesting aspect, aspects of terahertz technology. Um, but let's close for today. Michael, I cannot thank you enough for participating in our podcast today. It was such a fantastic and educational session for me uh, to learn about terahertz technology. So thank you so much for participating. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. And I know that I was probably not the only person who learned a lot today. So if you have been inspired by the topics we covered and would like to reach out to Michael yourself, or we have included some links to learn more about him and TerraView in our show notes. If you have feedback or would like to nominate an individual organization to be a guest on a future episode, please send a message to me directly, or you can submit the contact us form on our website, www.floodlightsoft.com. Thanks again for joining us and see you next time. To learn more about NDE 4.0, Emerging Technologies and Digital Transformation, please visit www.floodlightsoft.com for additional resources, including our blog and several relevant white papers. If you have any questions about today's episode or suggestions for future episodes, please send an email to info at floodlightsoft.com. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.